Welcome to the National Vaccine Information Center's State Vaccine Laws and Exemptions podcast series. These podcasts are from previously recorded and referenced commentaries and articles produced by MVIC, a charitable nonprofit organization. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Barbara Lowe Fisher, co-founder and president of the nonprofit National Vaccine Information Center with Don Richardson, who is MVIC's Director of Advocacy. And today we're going to be talking about NVIC's annual state legislation report. Uh, We've been doing this report for the last seven years. And this year we have some pretty amazing news in the middle of what is an unprecedented uh, assault on civil liberties, on informed consent, on uh, freedom of thought and speech and conscience and assembly. Uh, we have issued a report that I don't think really anybody expects us to give this information, which is that the overarching message is no state legislature this legislative session passed a COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Now, there have been other governors and, and some others, local officials who have mandated the COVID vaccine, but the, the, the big message is that this work that we've been doing uh, since we created the MVIC, since Don Richardson created and has operated the MVIC advocacy portal, uh, the training and the education of citizens at the grassroots level uh, to talk with their legislators and try to educate them with good information that we provide and that others are increasingly providing to state legislatures has resulted in very, very positive outcomes this year of, of this unprecedented oppression that we all have been witnessing. So I want to turn it over to Don, who is going to give us an overview of this state legislation report for this legislative session um, and uh, talk about the bills, uh, the unprecedented number of numbers of bills that our advocacy portal monitored uh, and the, the passage and the defeat the passage of good bills, the defeat of bad bills. So Dawn, take it away. Thank you so much, Barbara. And thank you everybody for joining in to listen to this historic report that we are about to just give an overview. Please make sure you click on the report and read it. We're only highlighting some of the information. Uh, There's a lot of good information, especially if you wanna be active and talk to your legislators. There's a lot of good ideas in here to pass on for how you can make a difference in your states. But here we are, 2021, We're not even done with legislative sessions. We also have many states that have talked about and already started special sessions outside of the regular session to deal with the unprecedented oppression and tyranny that we've been seeing on all levels with regarding vaccination. Overall this year, in 2021, so far, again, we still have activity going, We have put on the portal, analyzed, tracked, and issued positions and action items on 473 bills. We have never had that many bills before. Um, Out of those bills that we have on the portal, 278 were ones that we supported. I just have to give you a little bit of background here from history. When, if we look back at 2014, 
we only tracked and put on the portal 91 bills. Last year was the biggest year we ever had. That was 232 bills. And here we are in 2021 with 473 bills so far. It, it, we're off the charts. But the most exciting news to me and what Barb alluded to is the fact that your participation in your state government with your legislators is making a huge difference. In the past, we supported always less than the number of bills that we opposed. Last year, we supported 99 bills and opposed 123. This year, we supported, thanks to your help, 278 bills and we opposed 130. And the exciting thing about this is that we watched, additionally, we watched 52 bills. And usually we're watching it because we can't give a full support, but out of the 52 bills that we uh, watched, we supported a whole bunch of sections of them. And I'll get more into this when we talk about the bills that passed, but this is unprecedented. So we have actually closed the gap. Back in November of last year, we released some model legislation looking ahead at, we knew what was gonna happen with COVID. Barb has been predicting what's been happening this year for as long as I've known her, uh, writing very, very prophetic reports back in 1999 on the vaccine tracking system and how everybody was gonna be monitored with the end game being forced vaccination. We've seen this coming and MVIC has been talking about this for decades. So here we are in 2021 and now we have everybody who is following our emails by signing up on the portal, who goes to the portal and looks at the bills, they get instructions on all these bills. But we did something different this year. We actually released model legislation. We saw that there were going to be problems with employer mandates, potential discrimination it going into public on public spaces, uh, government executive type orders, government emergency mandates, local mandates, also potentially discrimination when you're at a healthcare provider or maybe even long-term care if you have an elderly relative needing some assisted living, uh, insurance coverage, all across the board, even if you want to go to a concert or a restaurant or go to the gym, people are facing vaccine mandates and vaccine passports to discriminate their participation in activities and access to places all across the country. But in light of all that happening and this model language, we had 30 bills that were COVID vaccine related that passed. 29 out of the 30. 29 out of 30 had protections in some realm to either stop school mandates, stop discrimination, stop employer mandates. Both Montana and Arizona had some form of employer protection. Arizona prohibits school teachers from being forced to be vaccinated. And Montana has a general ban on 
mandates. So that's kind of like an overview. And I, we want to go ahead and break down sections and, and have just a discussion. Barb and I are just going to talk about some of these things. Um, and you can go back to the report for more detail. But that's, that's a positive take-home message. You bring those ideas with our released language to your legislators and legislators reaching out across the country for uh, us to review language, for ideas. It has... We've contributed significantly where things could have been a lot more oppressive this year than they were. And the success record of the number of bills that passed, we had 55 bills that passed. Of the 55 that passed, we had, I think, 30. Uh, we'll have to go back to that. those numbers Um we had more, far more that we supported than we opposed. And Don, you know, before yeah. you go into more detail about the report, I just want to have a short discussion with you, overview discussion with you about this huge, really news that I don't think people are expecting because what they've seen in the media for 20 months, but particularly for the last uh, 12 months, 10 months this year has been that these mandates are going to happen. They're being driven by the federal. But what people forget is, and you go back to the Jacobson versus Massachusetts 1905 decision, which affirmed the constitutional authority of the state legislatures to mandate vaccines. The federal government can't do it. So what's the federal government doing? What the executive branch right now is doing, the administration currently in power is now doing, is they're trying to find workarounds. They're trying to convince the corporations, the employers to mandate the vaccines. They're trying to convince the entertainment venues and the restaurants and, and employers you know, to do it, the job that they really want to do, but they can't do because they're prohibited from doing it constitutionally. So what, what is so exciting is all of this work, this preparatory work that MDIC has done under your leadership through the portal has absolutely stopped them dead in their tracks in the state legislatures because the legislators are listening to the people and the power in this country, the try, the try, uh, we have a government at three different levels, local, state, federal. And it shows the power of the people in our constitutional republic that when we get involved at the local level, when we get involved and we go and we, and we develop personal relationships with our legislators and our elected officials, that it can make a difference. And I, I truly don't believe that if we had not done started this over a decade ago, that we would literally be in really bad shape today that we wouldn't have the strong defense that we've seen here at the state level. Uh, I, the, the government, federal government, happy with the success of this this year, and it's only going to get bigger. So I just wanted to say that at the outset, and now you know, go through some of the particulars of these this amazing array of vaccine bills that you had to monitor. You had to choose which ones that you were going to watch, which ones you were going to post on the portal, which ones you were going to uh, issue action alerts for. It's been such a complicated year. 
and an amazing stress on our staff. But somehow, somehow this is the outcome at this point, and it's it, it's it's exciting. It is exciting, and you know the families that have stuck with us from day one, they're educated, they're motivated, they've watched what's happened this year, and they know what to do. They show up, they talk to legislators, they adjusted. Sometimes they had to go on a Zoom meeting or some other platform to testify remotely. They had to find creative ways this year with some states limiting access to get information in the hands of their legislators, while lobbyists for pharma and medical trade seem to have uh, no hard, no difficult times getting access. The amount of obstacles that people have had to overcome this year to get the word to legislators has been tremendous. But there's also been a boldness on those who want forced vaccination and an arrogance and a condescending tone, dismissive tone towards families who are asking legitimate questions, who have concerns for their family. They're they see it. They see what's happening. And legislators are seeing it more. In the past, maybe we only had, you know, a few vaccine articles here and there, you know, something would break once in a while with a bill. But it seems like you can't turn on even very biased mainstream media without having some kind of vaccine debate front and center on the headlines this year. Uh, it's like you said, it has been tremendous, not only a stress on our staff, but a stress on America, people who assume that they had freedom, people who assume that they could make medical decisions for their family and questioning, questioning the rhetoric that seems to contradict all other information that we've been told over the years about viruses, bacteria and vaccines and how things work. Now you can be vaccinated and you can get infected and spread. Now you can be perfectly healthy and still be infected and spreading and not vaccinated. And people are questioning, you know, especially with what the president said last week, we have to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Everybody's scratching their head at that one. You know, if the vaccine- I know, as I said with Dr. Mercola in the interview that, that, that during Vaccine Awareness Week on Sunday, there should the word immunization should never be used from now on. Mm-hmm. Vaccination is not immunization. No, I mean the COVID nineteen vaccines the government has admitted can fail to reliably prevent infection and transmission. And I don't know about you, but all of us, I know my generation was taught that when you get vaccinated, you are protected from being infected and transmitting to others. That was the whole point. The entire mandatory vaccination system in this country is built upon that premise. Jacobson Mm -hmm. versus Massachusetts was decided on that premise. And it was a false premise. And it was not just for COVID-19 vaccines. I've been writing my pertussis, measles, influenza vaccines, and their failure, their failures. There's risk and there's failure with vaccines. And you know what? The vaccine companies that make these products and sell them at sell have they have made billions of dollars on this vaccine, but trillions of dollars on all the other vaccines in the history of, of, of the use of vaccines in this country. They don't ever admit. They don't ever admit failures, and they're not liable for failures or for risks for the injuries or deaths. 
uh, I think that what, what, what is so incredible about this, the last 20 months is our issue that we've been working, you know, <laughs> doggedly for four decades on has become the most talked about issue in the entire world. So in a way, these, these truths that are coming out are educating the whole world about the mm -hmm. concept of vaccination and infectious disease. And I think that in, in these dark days, there is this light that I can see down the road where people are going to see infectious disease and vaccination in an entirely different way. And there will be no vaccine that comes out after this one that is not gonna be scrutinized, mm -hmm. is not gonna be uh, uh, critiqued by the scientists and physicians who have broken ranks and have decided to speak out, which I am so grateful and for, and everybody is grateful for, and the and the in the healthcare workers who are standing on principle and refusing to accept the taking away of informed consent and are and are leaving their jobs. I mean, this is this is historic, mm -hmm. and here we are continuing to do this work. Let's tell us about the rest of the report. Okay, um, so we had broken up the different vaccine bills that passed, the 55 bills that passed into categories, and it helps to group them together. So we have the COVID-related, COVID vaccine-related bills, and like I had mentioned earlier, 29 of them were ones that had elements that passed that would protect, for instance, we had bills that, um, like, let me get my summary here. Um, students gain protection from COVID-19 vaccine mandates in different types of circumstances. Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Kentucky and Louisiana, um, Oklahoma, Tennessee and Texas. Segregation, discrimination, uh, against those who decline vaccines or prohibiting them from having to people from having to show some kind of documentation or a passport in some form passed in Arizona, Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. It's a lot of states. Um, I had mentioned the employer protections in two states and uh no states passed any COVID-19 vaccine mandates. That's really big. Absolutely. Category was recognizing the vulnerabilities with parental consent and that, you know, there's been a push and we'll talk about the minor consent bills later, but students, parent consent is now required in certain circumstances for COVID vaccines in North Carolina and Ohio. So the legislators saw, hey, there's some vulnerability there with, um, the way the state laws were that kids could be targeted to have to say to, to get vaccinated behind their parents back and they actually put protection there. Um, COVID-19 vaccine mandates have been prohibited outright in certain circumstances in Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, New Hampshire, Tennessee and Utah. And rights to decline COVID-19 vaccines in certain circumstances were added in Arizona, Kentucky and Montana. Citizens 
then Iowa and Indiana, they're protected from having their vaccine status tied to their driver's license or state IDs. This was an idea that we put forward back last November, because why were we going to sit there and help the government use our other forms of identification to tie it to vaccine status? So then you can't use a toll road or you can't drive or renew your license or you can't vote even, you know, the tying to voter IDs. So, um, you know, that's we've had a lot of good bills passed. It's funny, the only bill that we lost rights on this session was so minuscule, just to show you how minuscule it was. The state of Virginia says that if you don't take a COVID vaccine and you get COVID, you can't use your workman's comp to cover you being out with COVID. That was the only bill that passed that people lost rights on. There was no mandate, there was no, there was no passport, there was no denial of services or access or anything that passed in the legislatures. People need to know that. So how is it that we're hearing about mandates everywhere? These mandates are happening in a handful of areas. One, governor executive orders. Right. Some of the, yeah, and this is where, you know, we have talked about for years the emergency powers and putting things in place to prevent one person from being able to make these dictatorial uh, orders to order people to be vaccinated. Um, You know, some of the states that we have seen the executive orders happen. You may already be aware, but we have them in Connecticut, Governor Greg Lamont, Hawaii, Governor David IGE. Um, I don't know how to say his name. Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, Governor. Uh, Oregon, Governor Kate Brown, uh, Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia, and Governor Jay Inslee in Washington. Um, you know, these range from state employees, state and county employees, healthcare workers, executive branch, state workers, state workers, and healthcare providers. So those are the governor's executive orders. And then we have governors like Governor Abbott in Texas, and we have Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, standing up against, even though they've had an executive order to prohibit mandates in certain circumstances or masking or passports, um, even laws passed, they are standing up to these rogue counties and local governments that are doing their own thing and mandating vaccines. We have several of these local governments or counties that are doing this. We have Denver, uh, Honolulu, um, You know, the Honolulu mayor, it was employees and customers of restaurants, gyms, bars, fitness facilities, entertainment and recreational settings, Los Angeles Unified School District. They have done their own mandate for uh, students. And then Los Angeles just yesterday issued the new one for the bars and the, you know, the nightclubs and things like that. They also have their local workers. So, So they've got three things that mandate in Los Angeles. You know, this is not somewhere where we want to be spending our vacation dollars if we value freedom. Or New York City, where you can't go to Broadway without yep, and without that's, the Broadway yep, show. That was my next one. Yep. New York Mayor uh, Bill de Blasio, indoor entertainment, recreation, dining, and fitness settings. 
uh, New Orleans Mayor uh, Latoya Cantrell, emergency order issued for indoor dining, indoor fitness, indoor entertainment and performance spaces and certain outdoor performance spaces. Um, good old uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, you know, all D.C. employees, including healthcare professionals, contractors, uh, interns even. So, yeah, it, it, across the board. So these are individuals. They are elected individuals, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as a state legislature passing no. a law because no, no. those individuals can leave office and then other individuals are elected and those those policies can go away. Those executive they absolutely orders can, go can. Away. And, and when people go and vote, they need to pay attention and review all their possible choices and look at the behavior of these officials during this time. And is that what they want to continue or do they need something different for their families? There is another category. Um, you know, some states have granted power through the legislature to public health officials. And we've seen some public health orders. Um, for example, the California Department of Public Health uh, director and state public health officer uh, issued a public health order for healthcare workers and the Colorado Board of Health Emergency Rule for healthcare workers. The New York State Department of Health Board and Commissioner of Health ordered uh, uh, for a summary action staff and volunteers at hospitals and nursing homes. And there is a temporary restraining order on that one order in New York right now, thanks to uh, the the, uh, they stood up. Yeah. And that's what around the country, people are standing up. And I think um, what I really want people to hear is you have to stand up now. Like if you're in, if, oh, in the, the last category where the mandates are happening, employers, yeah. employers, the employers are mandating some of them, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, United Airlines, CNN, Ascension Health, Disney, Amtrak, Goldman Sachs. You know, these are all big companies that they've already jumped ahead of uh, Biden, even uh, President Biden, even um, saying the hundred plus uh, employees vaccinated. Yeah, they've gone ahead and done it anyway. Um, You know, so I know we've heard from so many people that have gotten uh, emails from their companies doing surveys saying, are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? Do you plan on getting vaccinated? Look, if you're the only person, if only one person says, I'm not going to take the vaccine, I have concerns about it, you're expendable. But when 15, 20, 40, 50% in different settings of people say, you know, I have concerns, I don't want to do that right now, they can't afford to lose their workforce. Well, and you know, the news out there is that 20 to 25% of healthcare workers are refusing to take this vaccine and are leaving. And there are shortages of nurses around the country at this point. Uh, We're seeing the the military. We understand that there's 20% plus who are talking about leaving the active military because of the order by uh, the federal government that, you know, the the executive branch that they all have to be vaccinated. Uh, We're seeing restaurant owners in New York City who are refusing to obey the order to segregate their their uh, customers and and deny them service because they're not vaccinated. We're seeing the, you know the unions uh, that massive protest in Brooklyn mm-hmm. across the Brooklyn Bridge of the teachers unions. There are you know I think all we're asking for is informed consent mm-hmm. choice. 
Nobody's saying there shouldn't be a COVID-19 vaccine. Nobody is telling people not to vaccinate. What we're saying is this is a, a, the right to make an informed decision about medical risk-taking. And vaccines carry two risks, the risk of not working and the risk of having a vaccine reaction. And particularly with the, these, this new vaccine, the mRNA vaccines that are using technology that's never been licensed for humans before. Uh, it, it's particularly applicable to this vaccine, this new type of vaccine. So, I mean, I really feel like the consciousness of our, our country and really around the world, when we see the hundreds of thousands of people who are demonstrating in Athens and Berlin and Rome and London and uh, Paris, we, we see them standing up in great numbers because they know, just like we know, what the, what the end is going to be. And it's just the first step in a very slippery slope that will only end in the, the uh, elimination of the right to autonomy, which is the first human right, and the right to protection of bodily integrity. Uh, this, is, this censorship is so, is so telling because they don't want anyone to be able to exercise freedom of thought and engage in rational thinking. It is, it is a threat to our entire uh, republic. It's, it's a threat to the, our way of life. And the vaccine issue is being used as the tip of the spear, as I've always mm -hmm. said, in these vaccine, in the culture wars, I call them the vaccine culture wars, but it's really a, a broader culture war that's going on. And, right. and here we are, this little organization, this little charity that just continued to have the same message all of, for four decades and find ourselves in this surreal position of our issue being the number one global issue. Uh, right. And with the take home message right now, this just came to me, Barb, as we're, I was always listening to you speak now or forever roll up your sleeve. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. If this is it, this is it. This if you're vaccine. waiting, there's nothing to wait for. And Hey, America, here's the good news. Guess what? If you want a vaccine, it's available. Go get it. Nobody is saying from our organization in any communications to legislators that this vaccine shouldn't be out there. There are doctors and there are healthcare professionals and there are researchers who are questioning the validity and the safety of this vaccine and some of the long-term consequences. We're just asking for informed consent. That's it. And that's what is resonating with legislators. And this is why when you hear people saying things about people who aren't being vaccinated as being selfish or uninformed, spend a little time kindly, respectfully educating them. Something may happen down the line. They're going to remember what you said and how you said it. Some of the, we're, we're, We've risen above. We will not succumb to the, the horrible dialogue that's going on or the tone that the president projected in his Thursday speech about his new vaccine plan to mandate vaccines that was condescending and arrogant and dictatorial. We don't do that. We, we don't. We've always come from a place of love and compassion because yes. our children were hurt by our organization was founded by parents of DPT vaccine injured children. And we know what it feels like to mm -hmm. be when the risks of vaccination are hundred percent. We know what it feels like in real life. 
And we don't want anyone to suffer like that. And we don't want any child to die from a disease. But you know, this healthcare system right now is totally broken. This is not about health anymore. It's about about product. It's about pushing medical products Mm -hmm. and vaccines and drugs. And it's not about taking a more, we believe in the more holistic approach. Yes, we do. We believe that that healthcare has got to be more than vaccines and drugs. And the the stories that are suffering, that are coming out of these hospitals where protocols, one size fits all protocols are being universally applied to everyone who comes in who tests positive or COVID. That story is a blockbuster story that will eventually be revealed uh, and it's not for this discussion, but I guess my, my feeling is that this, this pandemic has been mishandled, uh, grossly mishandled, and the scapegoating of people who are unvaccinated, mm-hmm. trying to blame the unvaccinated for all that's gone wrong with the mismanagement of this pandemic by government mm-hmm. is absolutely immoral. It's wrong. And it's pitting people against people. People have lost friends. They've lost fam- touch with family members. They, there has been so, everything is so broken apart. And of course, when you do that to people, when you turn them against each other, they can't think clearly. They're emotionally stressed. They're confused. They're afraid. And they can't engage in rational thinking. Mm-mm. And we've got to return to that. And that NVIC has always been committed to freedom of thought, speech, conscience, and this at this point, freedom of assembly, but especially the process of rational thinking. That shouldn't be outlawed in this country. No, and that actually brings us to our next topic that we covered with legislation. Only one bill, but a very important bill in the area of censorship. If people... Yes. Have informed consent. Yeah, exactly. If people- that was Texas. That was Texas. Yeah. Their state. Fact, mm-hmm. You know, um, back during the regular session, uh, Polly, um, Tommy from, the, she was the producer of uh, the Vaxxed movies, one of the producers. And I, I asked her to go down with me to the Texas Capitol. And there was a bill that would basically ban social media censoring. And this was really important to both of us because NVIC, having had a Facebook page since 2008 and well over 200,000 followers um, in March of 2020, the, the March of 2021, the cord was pulled, our account was gone. The same thing happened with Polly. And, you know, we, we really just put you know, reference materials out, uh, vetted articles from more credible media. Um, and, and medical literature and medical the government's literature. own documents. And the government's own documents. And, you know, as Polly had mentioned, her site had the stories, basically the parents telling the stories that kind of documented, personalized what the reports were that were submitted to theirs. And our sites were taken down and and we testified and uh, there we were, we were the only ones, just her and I at that stage um, on this bill testifying and the lead lobbyists that testified for the other side represented Amazon, Google, Twitter, and Facebook. 
I remember one night, Barb, we were talking and I added up in my head the size of the markets of the businesses that of those businesses that it made the vaccine industry look like nothing, <laughs> like in terms of the amount of money and worldwide vaccines, and then even United States vaccines drop in the bucket compared to what those industries. And here we were talking about how we should not be able to censor us. So anyway, with that, we had a uh, good bill in special session. This bill had to come back through special sessions uh, because of procedural nonsense, things, even though the bill passed the regular session, you know, it just never got finalized. We had to bring it back. And House Bill 20, it, it passed and it prevents social media companies with more than 50 million monthly users from banning users simply based on their viewpoints. The law also requires social media sites to disclose their content management and moderation policies, implement a complaint and appeals process for content that they remove, and provide a reason for the removal and a review of their decision. The law prohibits email service providers from, from impeding the transmission of email messages based on content. A user can bring an action against a social media platform that violated this bill with respect to the user. A user that provided a violation would be entitled to recover declaratory relief, including costs and reasonable attorney's fees and injunctive relief. And the attorney general of the state of Texas is also able to take action on behalf of people when this, when this happens. So this is important. And I know Florida had a bill that passed last session with social media. This is an area. So preventing uh, preventing this from happening in your state and protect. So this is a good place to talk to legislators about, about banning the social media censorship. This is not okay. This is the public square. The, the internet companies and the, uh, the social media companies can't hide behind the fact that they are just providing a space and, you know, that they can, they can censor whatever they want. That's right. And after we were taken off of Facebook in March of 2021, and the reason was, is we, are, we were attacked by a political operative out of the UK um, after we held yeah. our online conference in October, 2020, they didn't like the 51 speakers that we brought to the table uh, who are all credentialed speakers. Great conference, <laughs> great conference. And we have a website. If you wanna watch the conference, it's for free. We opened it up for free uh, after we were attacked. And uh, we, uh, but within a month, we were then taken off of Instagram, no explanation. We were then, the, ne the next month in May, we were taken off of Twitter, no explanation. NVIC uh, is the most censored of all of the vaccine education groups out there. We're the oldest and largest vaccine safety and informed consent organization in this country. We launched the vaccine safety and informed consent movement in 1982, but they really, really didn't want our voice in the public square. Well, you know, we have three websites. We have mvic.org, we have mvicadvocacy.org, and we have the vaccinereaction.org, which is our weekly journal newspaper that features breaking news in the vaccine world, in the healthcare world. Uh, and we're gonna continue to do this work as we have done for four decades. And particularly in the States that we've done the last 11 years at 
with your amazing um, guidance, Don, uh, and training so many people across this country, working with other organizations, like-minded organizations. I truly believe that we are going to win this uh, struggle for freedom. I believe we're going to win it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to still take a lot of work. But if people will, as you said, get involved in government, not the founders left us with an amazing republic, amazing structure, a constitution, a bill of rights. We have the tools that we need, but we have to be active and not expect somebody else to do it. And that is my message. I also want to emphasize, as I have in my commentary for Vaccine Awareness Week, that we, if I know people are angry and upset. We must always be dedicated to nonviolent uh, civil disobedience if it becomes necessary. Violent behavior only encourages people and enables them, the people who want to take away autonomy and freedom, to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we should, I believe we should take our guidance from the, the great social reform movements like the civil rights movement. Gandhi was a, a, an example of nonviolent civil disobedience if it becomes necessary. But we, we've shown that if people get involved in government, you can stop bad laws from being passed. Mm-hmm. You can create good law. And, and that's, that's a great message at this, during this time of darkness and chaos. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the three websites, I just want to remind people, we have a text alert program. You can, if you grab a pen and a paper, I'll tell you the text alert after I tell you the portal, just so you have time to grab paper for the phone number, but you can sign up at nbicadvocacy.org and we will send you email alerts when a bill is in a critical point in moving, but we keep the progress of the bill always updated. You always will know what you need to do next. Do you contact the committee? Do you contact your own rep, your senator? Do you contact the governor for a veto or for a signature? We tell you we're based on our mission. And if you're aligned with our mission, you'll know what to do to support that. And we give you talking points. We give you references. So sign up at nbicadvocacy.org to make sure that you can stay connected so you can participate in the process, in the legal process that we have in this country. Now, I want you to- And I also want to emphasize, we share no information. When you register for the portal, Mm. you have to understand that we have to keep the portal secure from Mm -hmm. sabotage. The information you're asked to provide is completely secure. We do not share any names or information with anyone and never have. So you can trust that we honor your privacy. Um, I mean, we're in there. We're all signed in. We don't want our places. (laughs) We don't want to be sabotaged. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, you can type this number into your phone and text it, or you can write it down and do it right afterwards. But the number is, and all you have to send is the name of your state spelled out. So if you were in Maine, you would spell out M-A-I-N-E and text it to 202-618-5488. And you will get heads up text alerts with information uh, critical for things that are going on. Like if you need to act quickly, if there's a really fast vote, you need to call a legislator. We'll give you instructions, link you back to a page on the portal. And um, or if there's a really critical report that could be helpful when you're talking to family and friends about these issues, we'll send that out sometimes. So you need to sign up on the portal. You need to get our text alerts. And I know some of the social media sites that you can find us on, we 
have Telegram, we have Gab, we have MeWe, Rumble. Rumble, we have all our videos, we have an NVIC channel on Rumble for all our videos. So we're still out there, you know, it's, it might take a little bit of effort to find us, but, you know, supporting the platforms that do not censor and allow your voices to be heard and are and, and listened to, that's important. So please support the, you know, the, the, platforms that value free speech and uh, freedom. So anyway, so that's that. And <laughs> yeah. that's that. We're coming up on, I think, almost an hour, if not. Yeah, over, we've, got to, we've got to cruise through some of these other categories really quick to get. To okay, you. real quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have vaccine exemptions and mandates. You know, one of the big losses this year that we're upset about, but that people fought valiantly and the fix was in, was Connecticut lost the religious exemption. Um, some of the students are grandfathered, but that it shouldn't, your rights shouldn't depend on what year you were born. Your rights are your rights. And uh, we're very, we're very frustrated about that. Um, you know, we, we did have several bills that actually passed that expanded protections like Montana strengthened medical exemption to vaccination and prohibits the health department from reviewing exemptions for the purposes of approving or denying it. Taking, taking a cue from the nonsense that went on in California, you know, with the bills there to make the medical exemption almost non-existent, you know, and um, this is, uh, you know, for, Adoption in Tennessee, prohibiting an individual or members of the families, uh, prohibiting them from undergoing an immunization mandate to be able to adopt. We've seen, you know, uh, we've seen that kind of restriction happening and also, you know, with foster families. Um, There was a bill in Utah that prohibits the Board of Higher Education from making some you know, restrict, you know, letting people who are like uh, off campus and stuff remote that they don't, they, they can be protected. They don't, there's crazy, crazy. We saw some students some college students who have been, you know, kicked out of college for doing online classes. This kind of prohibits that. So we had some gains there in protection. And then we have another category, informed consent. This is, this is important. Five bills passed making improvements to informed consent for vaccination in a time when we're getting so much pressure to just tell people, don't think, just do, just get vaccinated, trust us. No, these legislators understood we need expansion of informed consent. And one big win was a Florida House Bill 241. It's a sweeping parental rights bill. It covers so many different areas, but the one little line that got in there, uh, we can, uh, that, uh, uh, legislator Grawl put in there for us is it makes sure that parents are told their right to take an exemption. And that's important because sometimes families are told you have to get your kids vaccinated to go to school. And what if a child had already had a reaction? And then based on that uh, false statement, not telling them about the existence of the exemption, they go and get their child vaccinated and they have a worse reaction and are permanently injured or killed. That happens sometimes. And these types of bills, uh, also Idaho House Bill 298 requires schools to provide information on exemptions. Uh, there's Oklahoma has prohibits 
uh, school requirements for COVID vaccines or passports as a condition of uh, admittance, but it also requires the State Department of Education to require schools to educate parents about vaccine exemptions. Tennessee had a bill that requires any communication provided to students or parents uh, to let them know that it has to include information on the grounds for exemption from the immunization requirements. So these are legislators passing bills that will let you know your rights about exemptions. That's really important, especially in this climate. Those are huge grounds. We had five bills pass. Now here's a big category that I know irritates and agitates Barbara and I to no end, the area of minor consent. Um, Barbara just released a huge report. It's on our homepage, nbic.org, about this topic of uh, trying to get uh, kids to be able to say that they want to get vaccinated, go get vaccinated, not only without the consent of their parents, but also without their knowledge, even hiding it from them. With the biggest bill that passed this past year was the D.C. bill, uh, minor consent law. But we had three bills. Uh, that I want to mention. Um, oh, and also, uh, yeah, one bill that I want to alert to is um, or an Oregon bill. Parents in Oregon, you need to know your kids already have the right to get vaccinated without your knowledge or consent. And Oregon had a bill that passed, House Bill 2591A. It expanded funding for mobile clinics. So these little vans are gonna be driving around to your schools. And you're, they're gonna be trying to convince your kids to get vaccinated. So know that they already have that right, that, that ability in your state. So have a talk with your kids. Still, the conversations about not getting into or communicating with shady bands still applies. <laughs> Those conversations need to happen. Um, you know, they're going to hide this information from you. Um, you know, in the 2021 legislative session to date, the six states, Colorado, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Vermont have bills filed to allow for minor consent. Um, a Colorado bill, Senate Bill 16, did pass that now allows minors to be vaccinated with sexually transmitted infection vaccines without parental knowledge or consent. Um, you know, on a positive preemptive note, House Bill 6 in Ohio, which we did, like we mentioned before, it does require parental consent before kids can get vaccinated with a COVID vaccine. So, you know, there is a lawsuit, parental rights, the Parental Rights Foundation is suing DC um, over this. And we just had a, the judge just made a ruling that they want more information, they want more evidence. Um, you know, please reach out to us or reach out to pronorights.org. If you have anybody in the DC area that has been a child that's been adversely affected with being harassed or bullied to, into vaccination without parental knowledge or consent, please let us know. Let's get that get, the, get us that information and uh, we can make sure that those who are fighting for our kids uh, for, to protect parental rights in DC have that information and can use it. Um, so that's minor consent. Barbara, do you want to add anything on minor consent? No, I, I, I think you've covered it. Uh, you know, if doctors can basically persuade children as young as 11 to get vaccinated, uh, this is definitely a violation of parental rights. It's a violation of informed consent rights. 
young children that that young don't have the cognitive ability to weigh benefits and risks to understand long-term safety issues. You know, the parents are the ones who will be left with the consequences if a child has a major reaction uh, and they can't even recognize that they don't know what's happening to their, their child. This is a direct violation of the safety provisions that MBIC got, or the MBIC co-founders got into the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which requires parents to be given vaccine benefit and risk information written prior to the administration of a vaccine to a minor child. This is a, a violation of that federal law. So I'm, I can't believe that upon legal challenge, uh, this will not be struck down. But in the meantime, that's what the law is. And other states are trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the last category that we really have, if we haven't, have we already talked about it, is, is the vaccine tracking bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have vaccine tracking bills. I want to just, I want to make sure everybody understands with these vaccine, state vaccine tracking systems. Right now, it is required by the federal government. It is a requirement in the contract between the federal government and the vaccine providers that if you get a COVID vaccine within 24 hours, it has to go into your state vaccine tracking system. And if it can't, then it needs to be directly submitted to the CDC. So every single American's vaccine status of COVID is known because they can cross-reference the vaccine tracking databases with your driver's light, your, your state department of transportation, your voting records, any kind of state ID. And if you're not in there, guess what? You didn't get the vaccine. They know. They know. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do an article on this later with you know providing you with some of that information. The other thing that you know, I remember back in 2000, we were on the phone, Barb, and we were writing our uh, response to the HIPAA rules, and yeah. it was February of 2000. And uh, what people don't know is that HIPAA does not protect your privacy with regard to information related to public health. These it's are a joke. They're they're permitted disclosures. Everything can go. So the federal government can look at any kind of records, uh, state government, anything that's public health related, they have an exception. And those things that you, those, those rules that were in place that you thought protected your privacy actually strips it down and annihilates it. So, you know, at the beginning in the 1990s, I remember making presentations to, to committee meetings and they started out by saying, these are just state tracking systems. They're not going to be tied up to a federal government tracking system. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't believe you. And that's exactly the way they did it. They, they, they started out in 1990, 91 with city vaccine tracking systems. Mm-hmm. Then they Houston went to state. Yep. And then they tied, they created an umbrella that ties all the states up to the federal government and And guess what? The eventual plan is that the entire world will be will be all under an umbrella. All the countries in the world will be able to track everybody that crosses into another country. There will be a huge surveillance system and it's all electronic. And you're absolutely right, Don. They have now with this COVID-19 surveillance system. They're going to know who has it and who hasn't gotten the shot. 
And especially when they want to take away societal privileges and isolate Mm -hmm. and discriminate and punish people for not getting vaccinated, the whole system has already been created. And they did this with a club on the providers. They basically, uh, if you wanted, they they held the vaccine hostage to the providers. You can't uh, get the vaccine to give it unless you sign these conditions, which is turning this information over within 24 hours with facing civil and criminal penalties on the providers if they don't provide this information. So on this one particular area in a state, you can make a difference. Right now, we have to go into all the states and we have yes. legislation passed that prohibits under all circumstances. And it can't be coerced by financial incentives or from the federal government or anything that opt in informed consent only. The people who want their information the tracking system, they get permission. And if you don't want your COVID status tracked, don't do it. You know. Right. Because right now, again, informed consent, that, informed that's the consent. overarching principle. Everybody who goes in has had it. They don't have a choice. Yes, I have a choice to not go in it by not getting the vaccine. But the problem is because everybody else goes in, they can figure it out. If we had informed consent, there's a lot of people that want to make their own private vaccine decisions. And they don't want the federal government tracking it or the state government or the local government in these tracks. The globe or the world government. Or the world or the world. Travel passports. You can't fly. You can't go on a boat. You can't go on a train. So we need to stand up and take back this information. We need those protections. And on the minor consent, we need protections. We need to be proactive and we need to get bills passed that prohibit children from being vaccinated, period, without parental knowledge or consent. It, it, the parents ha- are the ones who have to deal with the consequences. They need to be the ones making the decisions. This well, is- Don, we're, we're going to need to close this conversation, but I just want to congratulate you on the best report that we have ever put out, you and your team. Uh, I know uh, Cindy Loveland is a, an amazing, <laughs> amazing woman as well. I've known her for decades, and 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 all and and everybody who on the MVSE staff that has helped to create uh, the visuals for the report, the graphs, etc. I mean, I'm so proud of this report, and uh, I feel so proud of of of, of everybody on on our team. All uh, our directors, our groups that we worked with, the all groups we work with, you know, this is hard work. Directors. It is. It, it's 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 de- boots on the ground, one step at a time. No, no, not very little recognition, and that's not what we need. What we need is for people to come together and stand up for liberty in this country, which is a a defining value, cultural value that has been guiding our country since we were founded. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really feel that in an overarching way, that is what MVIC is about. It's Absolutely. about liberty. So if I could so- tell people to do one thing in talking to their legislators, we need to stand up for no mandates for employees and we are for access to healthcare and for no, education, for education, no discrimination, segregation, using some of our model language. I learned so much from Senator Bob Hall this session, who carried our bill and te- carried our, one of our big bills in Texas. And NBIC did, we did, Barbara did an amazing report on all the, you know, we had doctors, we had parents, we had business owners, we had all kinds of people come and testify in support of that bill. And, you know, there are some people that are claiming that, 
you know, people shouldn't be able to tell businesses what to do. If a business wants to mandate, they should be able to mandate. And Senator Hall said a couple of really important points. One, he said, the Constitution was written to protect people, not businesses. Have to remember that. The other thing he said is, you know, there's, there's a matter of reasonableness. When you go home at the end of the day, you get to take off your safety vest, your safety hat, your safety boots, your safety goggles. But he said, you can't suck the vaccine out. What is reasonable here on what an employer gets to demand that you do? Could an employer, if they, if they can mandate that you take a shot that you might not even need, you, we already know natural protection from infection and recovery is way better than what provided. It's, it's all over. There's so many studies that are showing that we already know that you may don't need this vaccine. You may not want this vaccine. If they can mandate. And you may be at high risk because of your genetics, mm-hmm. because of your medical history, because right. of inflammatory conditions that make you at higher risk for having a vaccine reaction. It's just such a fundamental there right. has to be a line drawn. There has to be what's reasonable for a requirement for work and what's not. What the people who have advocated for mandatory employment vaccinations do is they minimize the seriousness of what an invasive and life-altering procedure that vaccination is. It's not like taking a vitamin or, you know, or it's, it's, it can cause injury and death and it does at times. And so we need to stand up, no discrimination in the public, no discrimination or penalties from employers. We need those protections because common sense and reason has gone out the window and people are demanding that people be vaccinated without taking into account the uh, your vulnerabilities, your immune status, anything. And this needs to stop. So we have to stand up. We have the ability in the states to stop what's going on at the federal level if we get enough of the states banding together. So far, I know there have been 21 states that have spoken up and said they're going to fight the federal mandates. We need states. We need more legislators. The more we put up there as a barrier of protection, the better off we'll all be. And so please do talk to your legislators there. Get signed up get involved. Now is a time, like I said, you know, speak up now or forever roll up your sleeve. That's right. Well, that's a good way to end. And everybody go to mvic.org and read the report, share it with your uh, friends and your and your family and get involved. And thank you, Don. Uh, and uh, we'll be back again next year with uh, the legislative report for 2022. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you Barbara. Thank you, everybody. Before you take a risk, find out what it is. To learn more about vaccines, diseases, and the human right to informed consent, visit mvic.org, the website of the nonprofit charity, the National Vaccine Information Center. Since 1982, MVIC has worked to prevent vaccine injuries and deaths through public education and to secure informed consent protections in U.S. vaccine policies and laws. Visit mbic.org and mbicadvocacy.org to get well-referenced vaccine information that you can trust and share with your family, friends, and members of your community. It's your health, your family, your choice.